you win and when your segment search your grandma does a strutting your grandpa shit. Young folks got it, young folks got it, and it's crazy about the dark times that some of you men when your striped hoes you done lost your strutting in years ago. Those folks got it, young folks got it. Everybody's crazy about the dark times that Just as sure as little feet ain't live on dry land A woman with the strut can always get a man Old folks are it, young folks got it Everybody's crazy about the dark times that Minnie Wallace and the Memphis Jug Band were the welcome reminder that the old folks started it. Though for current purposes it was the Tommy Todd Trio who started it, this show that is, with their rendition of Chloe or Song of the Swamp. Now, I'm assuming that you are disoriented. This is indeed WFMU and assuredly the old Codgers program. Today, sadly, Codgerless. I'll explain. My name is Gus Bodenheim. You may recognize me as the trusted voice of Del Barton Industries. I am also the author of Naked Came the Ceramics Instructor and other acclaimed novels. Or maybe while loitering at the public library, you've idly thumbed my loving biography of late brother Maxwell, entitled Still Owes Me Money. At any rate, this morning I received an urgent telex, imploring me to bring my talents to bear as a fill-in host for the Codger, mysteriously indisposed. I've known Courtney for a very long time, and despite that I agreed. So here we are. What is the nature of the Codger's sudden emergency? I am in the dark. But between you and me, at times when he's truly plushed to the scuppers, he alludes to his yearning for an elective procedure that he calls a Sophie Tuck. Your guess is as good as mine. And this may or may not have any bearing on today's circumstances, but one can't help but wonder. I'll continue to investigate the situation and we'll share any findings here, but in the meantime, we can only join the rocking chair lady, Mildred Bailey, in wondering, Kaja, where are you? Where is my happy ending? Where? 
You know, Willie the Lion Smith loved a good cigar. Yet when yours truly offered him a nearly new Rancho Malario Panatella, he regarded me as if I were a dung beetle. Nevertheless, a fine pianist when sober and composer of idiosyncratic novelties like that one, Morning Air. Prior to that, we headed west for Twilight on the Trail as performed by Foy Willing and the Riders of the Purple Sage. Everyone's always going on about Louise Massey and the Westerners. Louise Massey and the Westerners this, Louise Massey and the Westerners that. If they hadn't done that song on a short for the Fleischer Brothers, nobody would even know their version. And of course, everyone thinks Louise Massey was such a wonderful person, such a kind person. Yeah. Well, never mind. But That version of Twilight on the Trail bores me, and I will not let WFMU listeners and their perverse contrarianism continue to vex me with their advocacy for this, this mediocrity. Foy willing, that will conclude the controversy. I, uh, let us not forget Mildred Bailey's superb interpretation of McHugh and Adamson's Where Are You at the top of the set. John Cassavetes didn't forget, as his love streams will attest. I am Gus Bodenheim, filling in for the old conjure, and I wouldn't be completely honest if I didn't share with you my concern about his recent purchase of a home colonoscopy kit. Even more troubling is his insistence upon going it alone. Sure, you can save a few pennies, I said, but at what ultimate cost? But let's hope and pray that all has nothing to do with today's absence as we enjoy Animal Cries by Marais and Miranda. Hear how the sheep are bleating, hear how the sheep are bleating. Hear how the sheep are bleating, hear how the sheep are bleating. How the cows are lowing, hear how the cows are lowing. Hear how the cows are lowing, hear how the cows are lowing. The cock is crowing, hear how the cock is crowing. Hear how the cock is crowing, hear how the cock is Baby's crying, hear how the baby's 
are true Still I'm lonely, homesick and blue There's no one who can cheer me when I'm alone Longing for my Mississippi home Way down in the Delta On that Mississippi shore In that muddy water I long to be once more When night shadows creep about And the whippoorwills call You can hear old mammy shout Come in here you all Way down on the levee Strolling in the pale moonlight You can see those steamboats the fields of snowy white there's a feeling i can't lose that muddy water in my shoes when i get that mississippi delta blue Mississippi shore In that muddy water I long to be once more When night shadows creep about And whippoorwills call You can hear old mammy shout Come on in here you all Way down on the levee Strolling in the pale moon You can see those steamboats and the fields of snowy white There's a feeling I can't lose That muddy water in my shoes When I get that Mississippi Delta blue Jake, play something. Let's hear something besides the wind blowing through them dang hills. Away out here they got a name for rain and wind and fire. The rain is Tess, the fire is Joe, and they call the wind Dying. Mariah 
had me and the sun was always shining But then one day I left my girl I left her far behind me And now I'm lost So gold on lost Not even God can find me
Some impassioned lamentations regarding the elements. Paul Robeson, a favorite of yours, I'm sure, pleading with the very floodwaters that imperil his home. Not to be outdone, the original cast of Lerner and Lowe's Paint Your Wagon described for us many dismal aspects of the wind they, for some reason, call Mariah. Some more benign glimpses of the natural world preceded those. The singing brakeman himself, Jimmy Rogers, recalling the bucolic pleasures of his beloved Mississippi Delta, even as he succumbed to tuberculosis on this final recording session of his career. I have no doubt you were as beguiled as I when Joseph Marais and Miranda treated us to their impressions of sundry vermin at the beginning of that selection of numbers. I am Gus Bodenheim, your substitute host on the Old Codgers program here on WFMU. But don't think that gives you license to carry on like hooligans, shooting spitballs and making vulgar noises. Now I'm writing everything down and will not hesitate to name names when the Codger returns. Now, I continue to receive unsubstantiated reports on his whereabouts and condition. I hesitate to share such speculation, but... Ah, the hell with it. According to one claim, Courtney was evaluating a new Del Barton product pending approval for sponsorship, some sort of coffee, when something got stuck in something. That's all I was able to draw from the thickly accented caller who made this claim. Having had my own difficulties, however, with portable bean grinders and the so-called French press, I can only imagine what this might imply. But take it for what it's worth, I am not persuaded. Let me also at this juncture apologize for losing my cool in the last mic break. When the topic of Louise Massey came up, I, I, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to discuss it. Right now, I would simply prefer to just leadeth you beside Ethel Waters with a lesser-known Hoagy Carmichael classic, Bread and Gravy. Lots of bread and gravy. 
city all the time Peace and quiet Lots of peace and quiet Friends and money Lots of friends and money No more rambling through with scrambling Keep up with the Joneses all the time Got no reason to be swell And my clothes all fit me well And I wear a nice ring I'm as free as I can be And my honey's loving me So I just can't keep from singing Bread and gravy Lots of bread and gravy Good night kisses And my man never misses No bad news now No more blues now Lots of bread and gravy all the time
the tune they like the best When the jive becomes deluxe What's the number one request? 720 in the books When the band begins to play You should see the dirty looks If the leader doesn't say 720 in the books It's something that you'll approve Gets you right in the groove To keep in step You really gotta be hip Just be like a kangaroo Or the fishes in the brooks Everybody's jumping too 720 in the books Jan Savitt and his orchestra had, of course, a book full of charts, like any other band, and it contained certain numbers which were numbers. That is to say, instrumental specialties written especially for the band, without proper titles, which served as functional standbys for, say, a, a particular dance or an announcement section of the show at all. Anytime they hit number 720 in the book, the crowd responded, Con Brio, and how? So, sensing that he had a winner on his hands, Savitt had lyrics added and those were those. A song about how much people love the instrumental version of that very song. The BBC Dance Orchestra before that took us on a wild ride, subtitled A Study in Foxtrot Rhythm. Does it all begin to feel a little bit like the WFMU Musical Educational Corner? Good thing we preceded it all with the light relief crowd favorite, Charles Ives. Here represented by Nicholas Slonimsky's 1934 recording of the Bond dance from his Holidays Symphony. Always goes over big. And of course, Ethel Waters before that, in a very contented mood with bread and gravy. Now I have received a call from the old codger, I'm glad to say. And he seems, well, I may as well just say it, riled up over some of what I've said here. Evidently, he was contracted to evaluate a large collection of 78 RPM records, and there was some kind of a mishap, an avalanche, but he has been safely extricated with very minor injuries and is now recovering in his pouton shanty. I certainly harbored no ulterior motives in discussing the various conjectures and theories regarding his absence. I was merely reporting what was going around. Well, it's all water under the bridge eventually, isn't it? Here's, uh, here's Loose Stone and his band. Loose 
we've been courting for years, but he's never asked me to wed. When leap year comes round, I give three hearty cheers. Hippy hooray, hippy hooray, hippy hooray. Because I do the asking instead. I don't want to die an old maid. So I sing him this serenade. Walter, Walter, lead me to the
Daniel Shiltret in 1930 with The Wedding of the Birds, and before that one bird who fears she never will be wed, the legendary Gracie Fields with Walter Walter. Rex Stewart gave us Swamp Mist before that, our second song referring to a swamp on this show, and Lou Stone and his band doing Hand in Hand, the Jerome Kern favorite. I appreciate your kind attention to my efforts today to fill the shoes of the codger, reeking as they do of sly weasel and malice. I am still Gus Bodenheim, and I am obliged to tell you the following. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM, and online at WFMU.org or org. I didn't see you come in. I was just sitting here doing some writing. What are you writing, Hardy? Are you writing down things that you want to say to me? No, I'm writing down things that I've already said to you. Like so far I have, hello, friend, or something like that. I hope I remember correctly. Now, why are you doing that after the fact? I have been inspired by my grandmother's diaries. When my grandmother died, I got to go through her stuff, which is one of those consolations for losing someone. If you can suffer through the grief, one of the perks is to get to go through their possessions. It can be great. It can be awful. Depends how sad you are at the time. Sometimes the burden of having to go through their possessions really helps with the grief because it gives you some nice, healthy resentment. I'm going to do that. Whoever has to go through my things, oh, I accept your thanks now. 
for the degree of anger and uh, frustration that you will have that will help you not miss me so much. Thank you, Hardy. You're welcome. I like to think ahead. But I don't know if my grandmother did. Like I said, I was going through her stuff, and a lot of it I couldn't use because I'm not an elderly lady. Also, she wasn't very tall. So even if I were, I don't know if we're on the right fit, a lot of the things that she wore. She had some nice aprons. She'd wear an apron when she didn't need one. I thought that was classy. She'd dress up. It's just like you see on the TV. You say, oh, people weren't like that. Yeah, they were. She'd get up. She'd put a full set of clothes on and then put an apron on. I do that. I'll put a full set of clothes on and then I'll put, oh, sometimes I'll put a bathrobe on or later hosen or I don't even know, like a fireman's jacket or a fun hat. But when I'm dressed up for the day, as long as I had some kind of costume on, I feel like I'm ready to go. For a while there, I was thinking, I'll just put a suit of armor on and then I can meet any sort of battles, if they're creative battles even. But you can't because your hands are in metal. And I discovered that maybe I need some more freeing thing. I shall work in the nude. Don't ever do that. Because everything that you drop becomes a potential crisis. I like to have at least a leather apron. Boy, the masons are right. You need a good leather apron. Then you probably don't need any pants. But I finally found a comfortable attire, and that's what I'm wearing now. What are you wearing? Attire? Isn't that silly? I'm like those old times. Almost like a Nancy comic strip my life. Going through my grandmother's things. Found these books. So what are the are my grandmother's diaries? Now, I've gone through people's possessions subsequently and found their diaries. And I've opened them up and gone, whoop, 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 whoop. No, I don't need to know that. That's going to go to the grave with them. And that's a hard decision because they're already buried. You've got to make a call and you've got to say, oh, I hate to be a bother, but I was hoping that I could put something additional in the grave. And they go, well, we've got it all sealed up. And you go, please. What is it? Diaries. I really want to get them in there. Oh, you should have thought of that ahead of time. Bury them separately. Oh, that's a good thought. I found these books. I found these diaries. And like I said, I've seen people's before, and I was prepared to maybe just brief, but I wanted to look real quick, just in case. I don't know. My grandmother also had extensive recipe books. And if she had some sort of different take on English monkey that I had to know about, I didn't want to miss that. Not for all eternity. So I opened up the books and I read them a little and I realized that these were very unique diaries. First of all, they were all in daily planners. So each of the books was a, one of those daily planners. You know, every, every page is a different day, basically. Or maybe, maybe the beginning of the page is the, the morning and then the night or something like that. So she took these daily planners and, and, and wrote in them, but she didn't daily plan in them. See, I might say Tuesday. Go to the cleaners, um, 8 o'clock, restaurant reservation. My grandmother would have this in it. Tuesday, went to the dry cleaners, had an 8 o'clock res reservation at the restaurant. Everything was filled in after the fact, but not in a diary way like today I felt sad and it was one of those days where I just couldn't get it together. Nothing like that. It was just a list of things she had done as if she hadn't done them yet. So we you know, went to the store, went dress shopping again. So-and-so came over for dinner. 
So-and-so comes up a lot. I think they were having an affair. I'm just kidding. There's nobody named so-and-so. She'd name people directly. And in the beginning of every book, she just she would have addresses, too. So she'd always, she has Hilda Shivers' address, and then it's crossed out. That woman must have moved a lot, especially in the 60s. Hilda was bumping around from town to town. So I opened these things up, and I thought it was very unusual that somebody would list like that. Imagine planning your life in reverse. As a time traveler, this makes perfect sense to me. Why wouldn't I have a daily planner that contained things that had already happened? If I had her daily planners, and I had a list of things that she wished she had done every day or had planned to do, I would not have a record of her life at all. I would have a record of some sort of aspirations, of some sort of schedule. But what I have instead is a in-reverse to-do list, a list of things written objectively, often dispassionately, that she did. Some days are blank because, as we know, you don't do anything. And I, I don't know, she was so... Uh, in the habit, it's funny because some entries are even made during vacation and then there's some blank days and you think, literally, I bet nothing happened. I've had days like that. They tell you, you know, play a fun game, you know, name what you had for lunch three or four days ago. Sometimes I can do that. Sometimes I can't tell you what I just had. Um, I always wondered that about, say, oh, I'll keep ordering from the same restaurant. I don't know I do it. I didn't realize I just had their food yesterday. How is it they know my name? I was interested in a long time, and I still am interested, except I've forgotten why, in memory, especially when it comes to the brain. I am still interested in it poetically, how we use memory to navigate our lives, things like that, what memories do, how we interact with them in the present. <laughs> 